Good morning. Do you need a Bible? Okay. Do you need a notebook? Okay. Good morning. A few announcements. We're feeding the homeless this Wednesday. If you want to go, miss school. Uh, the next women's Bible study is February 23rd at 6 p.m. And then the next men's study is Saturday, February 28th at 9 a.m. at Starbucks. 28th or 18th? Or 18th, sorry. Good call. The 18th. We had our first men's Bible study for this series yesterday. It was pretty amazing. I do love this book. It's a pretty amazing book. You'll be excited when you get there. It's not a race. It's not a race? Not a oh, no. No, it's better that the men are going through it first so they can lead the women there you through. Go. There's a reason. <laughs> I, don't share. I can't do this. I can't do this. I this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Some volleyball and no. the snow. No. Some snowball. No. Not funny. That was funny. Some and then, snow. lastly, sign up for email updates. Send an email once a week with what's going on as we're getting past the holidays. We have more activities going on. So if you want to know what's going on, we'll send out an email once a week. Or you can find the calendar on the website, thechurchne.org. So, with that, let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to come together to learn more about who you are, about your Son, Jesus, your love for us. Um, and just ask you to speak to each one of our hearts. We each have different things on our hearts, different things on our minds, that you would meet us right where we're at, that you would lead us and guide us through this study, through this week, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that you would draw us closer to you. I ask that you would... Give each one of us ears to hear your words. I ask that your words would be spoken here today, not mine. That you would watch over this fellowship, that you would lead us and guide us. That you would um, protect us in our thought lives, protect us from the enemy, from the, all the fiery darts that the enemy throws at us in our thoughts. That you would um, just gently remind us of who you are and what your word says. It's in Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen. So we are going to be in Romans chapter 16, which I don't know if you know this or not, but that is the last chapter in the book of Romans. Today is our last study in the book of Romans. Isn't that exciting? It is. It is. We had a Bible study on Friday, and I was pretty encouraged after that. I'm still pretty excited about it. It's always amazing to me how God can speak to our hearts, speak to whatever it is that's going through my in on going I'm going through in my life. And oftentimes the way he does that is in a Bible study setting where he's put on somebody's heart to teach something that he's given this person the words to speak and those words just happen to speak directly into my life. And I'm always excited about that. That happened Friday and that happened again was going to happen again today. Really happened is I put together this study. 
It was amazing. This is the kind of the end of Romans. Um, and Paul thanks a lot of people. And, and I think you could be tempted to, to rush through that. You know, there's some people's names. But when you start to look at some of the names, the Bible gives us more information on some of these people. It seems like it speaks a lot to what we're doing right here, which I thought was pretty cool. So with that, we'll get started. So we're in Romans chapter 16. We'll start with verses 1 and 2, and we'll be reading out verses 1 and 2 out of the New King James Version. And I will explain why here in just a second. So Romans chapter 16, verse 1 in the New King James Version. I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centuria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. And assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. And this is Paul writing this letter, right? Which we're going to find out also today that Paul's not the one actually pinning it. He's the one that's telling the person what to write down. And we'll talk through that also. But Paul's the one that's writing this letter. And he's commending Phoebe to the, the church of Rome. She's a servant in the church of Centuria. Um, and the reason we're reading out of the New King James for these two verses is that in the New Living Translation, it says that our dear sister, Phoebe, but instead of a servant, it says she is a deacon in the church. And there's... Um, well, I just want to explain that. I want to go through that, what that means. Um, and now I'm just not quite sure that that translation's right. And the best way to explain that is in First Timothy chapter 3 we'll go through that and we've been through this before but we're gonna we'll talk through first timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 13 and we'll be in the new living translation for this so first timothy chapter 3 verse 1 in the new living translation this is a trustworthy saying if someone aspires to be an elder he desires an honorable position so an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of the church? An elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil could cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. So this word elder here, um, is also translated bishop, or um, for us, for what our church, it would be translated pastor. And it makes it very clear, lots of male pronouns that he's married to a woman, you know, right? So this is where one of the places, probably the main place where we get the understanding that pastors are to be men. And is it they're to be men because men are better leaders? And the answer is absolutely not, Right? 
Men are not better leaders. The only reason it's set up this way is because what we just read, just because that's how God set it up, right? God said, this is how it's going to be set up. Not because men are better than women in any way, shape, or form. Men are smarter, better leaders, any of that. There's many women out there that are phenomenal leaders, right? Many women out there that are a lot smarter than a lot of the men out there, right? So that's not the reason. The only reason is just because God set it up that way. That's the only reason. A lot with the household. that The, the husband is the head of the household. Um, why? Because men are better leaders again? No. No. Just because God set it up that way. And then when we obey God, when we follow his directions, that when he leads us and guides us, that that's always the place we want to be, right? And it's not about us. It's not about our own personal desires or or what we think is right or wrong, or any of that, it's we want to serve God. And we put Him first, right? And when we put Him first, we obey His words. Many times we've heard that if you want to show your love for Jesus, obey His commands, right? Jesus says, those who love me obey my commands. So, And this is one of them. This is God's word. We read that Jesus is the word of God, right? So... So that explains, that's the start of it. That explains the elder, the pastor role. But then he goes on in 1 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 8, and he brings up deacons. So let's, we'll read that. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. In the same way, deacons must be well respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the ministry of the faith. Now revealed, and that faith now revealed is Jesus Christ. That Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless life, fully human, fully God. He willingly died on the cross, allowed himself to be sacrificed for our sins. And that because of that, he took on the sins of the world. On the cross, the penalty has been paid. He paid our price. And that he died on the cross, but he rose again. And that he ascended into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of God. And that he is, he is God, right? That is what Paul is, ta- or that's what Paul is talking about there to Timothy. So, so verse 9, we already started that. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed, that faith revealed is Jesus, and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with the respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Jesus Christ. So again, the deacon is to be a man that is faithful to his wife, right? But in the same way, the wives are to be well-respected, and exercise self-control. So here, again, it calls out a deacon as being a man. So that's why we're not reading from the New Living Translation when we're reading Romans chapter 
16 verses 1 and 2 because it calls out Phoebe as a deacon. But later on, it makes it very clear that the women aren't deacons. So there's a little confusion there. Why exactly that is, I don't know. I didn't help him translate this part, um, but I am responsible for teaching it, and I want to teach it honestly. But I want to make it very clear that women are very highly regarded to God. Remember, we've been over this, both at Easter and at Christmas. Some of the greatest news that's ever come down to this earth is the news that Jesus Christ is going to be born, right? That the Messiah is going to be born. And who did that news first come to? That news first came to Mary. So some of the greatest news in all the world, and who was the first one to hear it? Mary is, a woman. But then, Jesus came, lived this sinless life, was the only one that could pay this penalty that we fully deserved, and he died on the cross. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later. And when he rose from the dead, the greatest of all news is that, that Jesus rose from the dead. No one else has ever done that, right? No one else has ever lived a sinless life, been murdered, but death could not hold him because there was no reason. And he rose again. He was alive again and is alive right now. And the greatest news that he, was, he has risen, who did God first tell that to? God first told that to the women. So if anyone tries to explain that God views women as second-class citizens, they are lying and misleading. And Paul is going to get into that here in chapter 16 also. So we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to make it very clear that God holds women to a very high standard with very high respects for them. That the greatest news, two of the, the biggest news stories to ever come out of heaven, God reveals to women first. So that's how much he views them. So, But I will say that I do think Phoebe was um, a helper or somewhat of a leader in the church. Now, may not have held the role or title of pastor or bishop, but could have been leading in other capacities. And that is... Um, structured in the church. The women lead women in Bible studies, right? The women lead other women in um, discipleship, that oftentimes women are leading the children's ministry. And we find that to be correct. We find that Paul talks about that a woman should not teach a man. So about the age of 13, you're junior high and your senior high should be led by men. But up until that point, women are leading and teaching, and it is very well called for in the church. And all of this is not structured because any one person is better than the other. It is only structured this way because that's what God said. And that's it for that area. So that's why we're not, well, that's why we're pointing it, that's why I'm pointing it out, because that's, I want to be very honest with God's word and explain it, hopefully in a way that everyone understands it. So that is why women are not deacons. Um, and I think the New Living Translation got it wrong on that verse, somehow, some way. So we will go back to the New Living Translations, and we'll continue on in Romans chapter 16, verse 3. So give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, they once risked their own lives for me. I am thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. 
So for more on this couple of Priscilla and Aquila, we won't go through everyone that Paul's about to list, but when Paul lists someone and there's somewhere else in the Bible that it talks about it, I feel it's important that we should go and look that up and see what does God say about them. So the Bible talks a lot more about Priscilla and Aquila in Acts chapter 18. And we won't read the whole chapter, but we'll just go through the verses that talk about them. And it'll give us a little better understanding of who Priscilla and Aquila are. These co-laborers of Paul. These, these people that Paul has gotten to know that are helping him in the ministry. That are, um, we'll find out, are, are ministering to others themselves. So then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. We're in Acts chapter 18 verse 1. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born of Pontius, who had recently arrived from Italy when his wife, with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. So here we read in Acts chapter 18 that Priscilla and Aquila were in Italy, in Rome, but they got deported. They were Jews. Um, so they got deported out of Italy, and that's where Paul gets to know them, gets to meet them. So Paul, we'll skip down now to verse 18. Um, so Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, and then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to nearby Centuria. There he shaved his head according to the Jewish customs, marking the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. They stopped first at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogues and reasoned with the Jews. And if we were to continue reading, um, Paul stayed for a little while in Ephesus and taught in the synagogues, and many Jews came to know Jesus. Um, and then Paul left it and went on to teach. But Priscilla and Aquila stayed behind. So we'll skip down to Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. So what does that mean, he only knew about John's baptism? Well, John had a baptism or the ministry of repentance. John was sent out into the world to call the world to repent of their sins, that the Messiah is coming, repent, receive God, and be forgiven, right? That was John's ministry of baptism. Repent of your sins, receive God, and be forgiven. But he's not preaching the gospel of Jesus. So we read in verse 26, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogues, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Acacia and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Acacia asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, God, who by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate, 
using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. So while Priscilla and Aquila didn't go to Acacia, they did help to educate this Apollos. So here we read that Priscilla and Aquila are co-labors with Paul, and they have a big impact on this person, Apollos. And they're able to explain to him who Jesus is. They're able to go through the scriptures and explain it very well to him. And he's able to go on from there after being trained by Priscilla and Aquila to have um, a big impact in Acacia and explain to many Jews exactly who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Messiah they've been waiting for. So that's the impact that Priscilla and Aquila had. Um, And probably one of the reasons that, that Paul notes them. But we'll go back and see what else Paul says about them in Romans chapter 16, verse 5. I got behind on the slides. You're supposed to keep me up on that. So, Romans chapter 16, verse 5. He's still talking about Priscilla and Aquila. Also, give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Epitentus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greeting to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. So he's greeting these other people, but Paul sends his greetings to the church that meets in Priscilla and Aquila's home. So this idea of having a church in your home apparently started long ago. Isn't that kind of cool? And there's other talks of of home churches. Um, In Colossians chapter 4, verse 15, a man named Nymphus has a church in his home. Um, In the beginning of Philemon, you know, there's only chapter 1, the first couple verses, Paul greets the church that's meeting in their home. So this idea of having church in home, that's how it started mostly in the, um, in the early days of the church. After Jesus had died and the church is beginning to grow, it started with home fellowships. So I thought that was kind of cool. Do you see that as being cool? Do you draw the parallel there? Okay, we'll continue on. So Romans chapter 16, verse 7. Greet Androsius and Juna, my fellow Jews, who were in prison with me. They are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Greet Ampetius, Ampetius, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachius. So Paul goes on to, to greet more people. And the more I think about this, he'll, he's going to continue to greet people. These are people that um, have had an impact to Paul and Paul's life. Um, by the way, probably they lived their lives in the way they ministered to others, right? And so I think of ourselves, what impact do we have? You know, Paul wasn't with these people for very long. So in a short time, these people had an impact on him. Um, and how do we impact others by the way we live our lives, right? Are we putting on a show for others, or are we living a genuine life, pointing people to Jesus? And I'd say that these people that Paul is noting are people who probably lived a genuine life, pointing people to Jesus. We got to l- read a little bit more about Priscilla and Aquila, and it appears that they lived a very genuine life, pointing people to Jesus,
greet Apelles, a good man whom Christ approves, and give my greeting to the believers from the household of Archibolus. Greet Heredian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcius. Give my greeting to Typhenia and Typhoeus, the Lord's workers, and to dear Parasus, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. So Rufus is another one that we get to know a little bit more about. And to know more about Rufus, um, we read in Mark chapter 15, verse 21, and you don't have to go there. It'll just be this one verse. and be up on the screen. But this is when Jesus is being led away to be crucified. That um, This, well, we'll just read it and then I'll explain it. So Mark chapter 15, verse 21. A passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, was coming in from the countryside just then, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. So, the man that helped carry Jesus' cross was a man named Simon. Simon was the father of Rufus. Rufus is mentioned here at the end of Romans, Rufus is probably mentioned because he, his dad probably had an impact in Rufus's life of how he lived, and Rufus went on to have an impact on others for Jesus. That the way Rufus lived his life, he was a light and a witness to others, pointing others to Jesus. And that that more than likely happened because he had the example of his parents. So I think for parents, for adults, that we have influence over our kids, but we also have influence over others around us, our children's friends and and other people that may look up to you as an adult. And how are you impacting them? Are you impacting them? Are you being a light and a witness and impacting them to go on to live the same life, encouraging them in, in the things of Jesus and the things of God? Are you pointing them to Jesus? And I would say that Simon probably did that for his sons. And that's why they're mentioned here in the book of Mark. Because they went on to have an impact in the early church. So I find that just to be interesting. And then when we get to read more of the Bible, more places, we get a better understanding of what's going on here. We could just read over this and read some names. But when we dig a little bit deeper, God gives us a better understanding. And hopefully encourages us to have that same impact in our lives, the way we live our lives. While we may never have a a ministry like Paul and Peter, there's many people that are mentioned in the Bible who had a big impact. Just think about this. The Bible is the best-selling book of all times. No book has ever outsold it. And these people's names are there for all the world to see, right? So what an impact that is. So we'll continue on Romans chapter 16, Verse 14, give my greetings to Antius, Philingon, Hermes, Phiotus, Hermaeus, and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Philegus, Julia, Nereus, and her sister, and to Olympias, and all the believers who meet with them. Greet each other in Christian love. 
all the churches of Christ send you their greetings. So Romans sixteen seventeen continue on. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. So Paul has greeted all these people. These people have had an impact in the ministry, in the way they live their lives. Um, and Paul has greeted them. And we get to read about them for um, everyone that's picked up the Bible and read through it has read about them. They were important enough to God, that the work that they did, that, that God mentions them and, and calls them out. Um, and, and I just want I'm encouraged by that, by the lives that we live, the impact that we have may only be on a few people, but are we willing to live a life following Jesus, pointing people to Jesus, even if it only impacts a few? So, and that even if it only impacts a few, God is noticing that. God's paying attention to that, right? And it was so important, while Paul may have been the one... um, dictating this letter he wasn't the one that wrote it we'll get to that all of this is inspired by the holy spirit god is the one that wrote this book he led paul on what to what to write what to dictate Um, and the reason that we have these words the reason these people are called out in this way is because that's how god set it up that's what god wanted so so these people are important to god even if they didn't have huge ministries even if it was just a few people they impacted even if it was a small home church that they had, God found that to be important. So I'm very encouraged by that, that we don't need to look for for God to do big works through us, but we just need to be faithful in the work that God has put in front of us. And for each one of us, he has given us a work and a, an opportunity to be a light and a witness to those around us. And do we take advantage of that? So now Paul's greeted a bunch of people, but then he's got this message that he still is appealing to them. And we'll pick this up in Romans chapter 16, verse 17. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause division and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests, by smooth talk and glowing words. They deceive innocent people. So these are false teachers that Paul is warning the church about, that they're, they're already there and that they're going to continue to be in our lives. Um, and to look a little further on this or to continue on in this path, I want to look at Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So Second Peter... Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teachings and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of the truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lives to get a hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. So Peter is also speaking of false teachers and warning um, 
the church of false teachers and not to be misled. And, and I don't think that this is little nuances was, you know, if I were to teach that Fiobi was a deaconess and my saying that that person's a false teacher, I'm not necessarily going that far. I think this is a little bit bigger, a little bit more egregious false teachings. And one thing that comes to mind is we just recently watched a documentary on a, a, a cult, a polygamous cult um, in the Utah, Arizona, and then moved to Texas. And, and you, you hear what these, these people believed and what they bought into. And, and it's exactly what Peter and Paul are talking about here, that the people that got into this, this cult um, were deceived and, and their money was taken from them. Um, oftentimes, if you wanted to be a member of this church and if you owned a business, you signed over that business to the church and the church now owned it. Um, at one point, they're trying to, they're in trouble in, in the Utah, Arizona area, so they're looking to move to Texas. Um, and they, there's a lot of pressure to give and, and get money and funnel it into this building project in Texas. And they were sending $300,000 per week to Texas. They were smuggling in cans, cash in cans. Um, and, and while this is going on, their pastor, their leader, is at strip clubs with his multiple wives. His, he had many, I want to say it was 20 or 30, but his 12 closest wives, he's at strip clubs and bars and partying up and living this rock star lifestyle. And I, I think that right there is exactly what Paul and Peter are warning us about, that there's some big, egregious... Um, teachings out there and you you wonder to yourself how does someone get misled into this how does this happen right how would you follow this how would you buy into this and i think it's very simple and it's the the fact that most people don't understand or know god's word and i remember when i before i became a christian when i was unsaved from the age of being born to the age of 30 I thought I knew the Bible because I spent time in church. We grew up in the Catholic church. I went to Catholic school, kindergarten through eighth grade. Um, and, and I thought, I know what the Bible says, right? But it turns out I had no clue what the Bible said. I knew what other people told me it said, but I never read it for myself. I had no clue. And I think God addresses this, and he addresses this very well. And he addresses it in Acts chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. And this is an area of your Bible that you should have highlighted. You should have a note next to. You should have starred. Um, I do believe that it's okay to, to underline, to um, highlight in your Bible, to make little notes in the columns. Um, while I agree that the, the words themselves, the meaning of the words are holy. This is God's holy word. The paper itself is not holy, right? The paper itself is just paper. Um, and so I, I personally have no issues with marking up my Bible, drawing it and making notes. I think it helps me later on. It helps me to recount and recall and, and, and make other connections. I, I make notes in the columns that when I get to this verse, I should also go to this verse. So this connects to that. So I don't. If you do, and Paul has made that clear to us in this study on Romans, if you feel that it's sinful not to, then, then follow your convictions that God has put on your heart. But for me, it's not, and if for you it's not, I would very much encourage you to have these verses highlighted because these are hugely important. Acts chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. 
they listened eagerly to Paul's message. So, so Paul had just recently got kicked out of Thessalonica. They didn't like his teaching and ran him out of town. He finds himself in Berea. And these here in Berea are more eager to listen to Paul's message. They're more open-minded. They listen, right? But if I'm just listening to another person's message, can I be deceived? And the answer is absolutely I can be deceived. They have clever words and, and spins. And, and there's no way these, for this documentary we watched, that these very smart businessmen that have, have, have developed, built these corporations are signing these over without being deceived by very clever well thought out words, right? So here we read that they're open-minded. They're listening to what Paul's message is. They're eager. So Acts 17, verse 11. They eagerly listened to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if what Paul and Silas were teaching the truth, right? If Paul and Silas are teaching the truth, what do they do? They go back to God's word themselves and search it up. And I can't help but think about this documentary on this cult we watched. How could people be deceived like that? Well, they're not going back to God's word and reading it for themselves. Because if you were to go back to God's word and read it for yourself, you would find out that these false teachers are exactly what that are exactly that. They are false teachers. They're teaching lies and heresies in order to get your money, right? In order to do shameful things and to call evil good and good evil. And when you don't know God's word, you can be misled. They are very, very clever. So then continuing on here, Acts 17, chapter, or Acts chapter 17, verse 12. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. So as a result of them hearing Paul's message, them going and looking it up for themselves, what does God's word say? This is what Paul's teaching does the Bible back this up? And when they found that to be true, many came to be saved, right? And that's what our mission is. We're here to be a light and a witness to others. We're here to proclaim the gospel message that Jesus, fully human, fully God, was willingly, went to the cross for our sins. He lived a sinless life, died, death couldn't hold him. And because of that, our sins are forgiven. Our sins were taken out on the cross. And when we ask for forgiveness, they're removed from our record. When we ask Jesus into our lives, we are eternal, um, eternally secured in heaven with him, right? When we believe in him, that is our, our access into heaven, access into all of eternity in paradise. So when someone is teaching something, including myself, you should be going back and looking up in the Bible yourself and saying, is this accurate? Is what he's saying true? Right? And that's a, a big thing. So oftentimes you'll hear it, be like the Bereans. Don't just take someone's word for it. Don't listen only to what other people say the Bible says. Go read it and study it for yourself. And that's huge. That's very, um, a very, it's a, a big deal on how you can protect yourselves from being deceived and misled. You think, oh, I could never do that. Well, we're looking at the end story, and it didn't start off these gross lies. It started off little by little. And like anything, sin grows, and sin takes more and more control over our lives. So, so we'll continue on. Romans chapter 16, verse 19. 
But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So Paul's encouraging them. He warns them about false teachers, but he says, I know that what you're doing, you're obedient. You're, you're doing what God has asked. You're meeting regularly. You're not forsaking the fellowship of the other believers. You're being encouraged by other believers. You're studying God's word. You're studying through it. And that I want you to be wise in doing what is right and innocent of any wrong. And the, the way we do that, so many times in our lives, we have this idea of something good or, or this idea of something sinful. Well, and we want to know, or we have ideas, I guess I shouldn't say that we know it's good and sinful. But we have ideas in our lives or in our minds. And we want to know, is this from God or not? Does it line up with God's word? And it all Everything Paul's talking about in this section points back to knowing and understanding and studying God's word for yourselves and how important that is and how much benefit that will be for your life. How effective you can be with all the people we just read about and the things that they did. Some we know about, some we don't, but somehow they had an impact for the gospel message in a, in a powerful way that their names are written in the, in the Bible. So, But the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you are in God's word yourself. So, very, very important to get into God's word. We'll continue on Romans 16, verse 21. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sophiater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. So here we ride, we read the... This man, Tertius, is actually writing the letter. And in other letters, we read that too. That Paul didn't pen his own letters. And, and one of the thoughts is that Paul um, had some eye problems. And there's, that's a whole other study. It'll probably take us a couple weeks to get through. But one of the thoughts is he had some eye problems and couldn't see all that well, so he couldn't write. Because when he does write in one of the letters, he says, I'm going to write this with my own handwriting. And you'll know it's mine because you can see how big it is. He had to write very big. And one of the thoughts is that he... He had trouble seeing. So, um, so Timothy, Titus wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church greet you. Ephesus, the treasurer of the city, greet you. And Cortus, a brother, greet you. And the reason, I should have mentioned this before we read this section, but we're reading this section in the New King James Version because the New Living Translation doesn't have verse 24. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And neither did the, um, the New American Standard Bible. They didn't have verse 24 in there. But I think that verse 24, when I look at the, the, the original Greek, that verse is there. So that's why we're reading here. And, and all these little differences between the translations... I've yet to run across any that are salvation issues. There's major issues and there's minor issues. The major issues are salvation issues. You know, did Jesus live a sinless life? Was he fully human, fully God? Was he born a virgin? Did he rise from the dead? Is he seated at the right hand of God? You know, is he really God? Those are kind of some major issues. Those are the salvation issues. Um, and I, I've yet to find in the little differences between the translations that there's really salvation issues at hand. It's mostly minor, like this one, where the, 
this verse is not in the other two translations, but is in the New King James and is in the original text. Verse 24, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So continuing on here in verse 25, back in the New Living Translation. Now all glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has been revealed. His plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now, as the prophets foretold, and as the eternal God has commanded, these messages is made known to all Gentiles everywhere, so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ. Forever, amen. So that's how Paul closes out the letter. Um, and we jumped back and forth a few times today between the New Living Translation and the New King James Version. And I, I want to touch on that just a little bit more because I, when I was early on becoming a believer and getting into the God's Word, I got caught up with this whole, I want to read the, the, the perfect version, the right version. Um, and, and oftentimes I was led to the New King James Version. And I think that's a very good standard. Um, I also like the, the New American um, Bible. I think it's a very good standard, most of the time pretty correct. But even there, we would have Dave and he would teach and Dave would say, well, the translators, I don't think quite got it right here. And, and he would explain why that is. And that was even in the New King James. So then that kind of brought me back down that, you know, there's little differences here and there. <clears throat> and just like the Bereans, right, where this is not an easy translation. It's not to go in from Greek English is not a word-for-word -word translation, and we've been over some of that, like the word love in Greek. There's three words that translate from Greek to our word love, right? So it's not a word-for-word. -word. So there's some reasons why there's a little differences here and there. But I would like to just go back to the Berean comment, that as you're reading through the scriptures, we're reading through what a translator has, has given us, we should go be going back and studying through is this what god's word really says do we have an understanding and i think when we press more into god's word when we don't just superficially quickly look at it then god gives us that fuller understanding god leads us and guides us um, often we've talked about this the reason he taught in parables was for this reason that if we want to just hear a story and quickly make a judgment on god's character off this story kind of a quick superficial judgment we oftentimes can come to the wrong conclusion of who God is, right? But when we look at the story and we dig into it a little bit deeper, God reveals more of his character, more of who he is to us, and that we have a better understanding of that when we don't just read through quickly. And so many times in life I've found when it comes to the Bible, God is continuing to speak to us. He hasn't changed the words, but the words will impact me differently because I'm always in different situations in my life. And I'm always amazed when I come across men and women who've been Christians studying the Bible for 30, 40 years, and they're still coming across, you know, I've read this area many times, but when I read through it this time, this jumped out at me and this spoke to me, and, and I'm always encouraged by that. So if there's anything I take out of Paul's closing here, one is that don't be despised by little things, the little things that God has called you to do. 
do them faithfully. God's measure of success is not the world's measure. You know, how much money, how many, how popular, right? That's not God's measure of success. God's measure of success is how faithful you were to do the things he's asked you to do. And is the Holy Spirit speaking into your life about something, some way, somehow? Um, and if he is, then I would encourage you to press into that. To be patient and listen to God's leading and guiding. Press into what he's called you to do. And always go back to God's word to make sure that what you're being led to do lines up with God's word. Right? And how important that is in life. One other thing that I thought was notable is that Priscilla and Aquila were also noted as being tent makers. So they had a tent making company that they ran. They also had a home church that they ran where ministers encouraging people and training others to, to have a bigger impact. Well, they themselves may not have had a large impact. So I found that to be interesting. And Paul was also a tent maker. So they had that in common. So they all were not in full-time ministry, but they all had full-time jobs and a full-time ministry. So I would say that they had full schedules. But I have found, especially in this last year, that God has led and guided me through schedules. Um, and I think he does the same for all of us. And that I have times where I have a lot going on, but then I have times where I'm not as busy. And what do I choose to focus that free time on? And that's where I could um, always press more into God during that time, right? I can spend that time with him. I can spend that time with family. I can spend that time um, also resting so that you're not going, going, going all the time. Because I think that I was encouraged reading through that more on the study of Priscilla and Aquila that they also, like Paul, had full-time jobs. So with that, that's all we got for today. Do you have any questions? Not a single one? No. No comment. I'm not going to say it on there. You can say it. That's your comment? Yes. Your dress is itchy. There you go. No other comments?
So I thought that was really good to go back and go, did I really say that? Oh, yeah. Do you know? What's scary is um, uh, just to feed on that is <clears throat> um, I'm speaking of this particular thing we're talking about, this when you get into the cold mm-hmm. 50s dynamic things happening when they start raising their little littles up in it that's all they know right and um it's hard my heart starting to think of the littles that were coming up in it and they were trying to take these littles out of the situation but they just wanted to be backward that's all they knew um even though it could have been highly inappropriate or it was not truth and it so you know they that's that was that's a hard man that was that and, was and bad to me because that that's all so they true. know mm-hmm. and when you think about all all of us and, and, and as we, we bring up our own children in Christianity and what we believe this is what they believe but your next door neighbor may be a Muslim and they are taught from the time they're born what their religion teaches mm-hmm. so you it's you know, you, that's where that, you know, you know, judging and saying you're wrong, they don't know any different. And not to say that somebody's wrong, they don't know any different from the time they were a baby. That's what they were taught. Same as teaching violence, same as teaching jihadists. This is what they were taught when they're little, to be yeah. babies. So they don't know any that's so that I was having a conversation with Kylie and Kennedy. The best, the best way you can be that light is just set a, set example. Exactly. If they ask you about why you are the way you are, this is why. Mm-hmm. And, and they may they may say, well, "This is the way I why I'm the way I am." That's fine, but it doesn't change how we. Again, I, I, it's mostly with them, especially in the last couple of weeks. Doesn't change how we love them. No. no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love them. That's what's mm-hmm. going to point them to Jesus. But one thing watching that documentary was that was I found interesting was that even though there are people that were, grew up from very young age, you know, born into this idea or this cult, um, the people that grew up in that in it also some of them understood this is wrong right. and god was still still you know the holy spirit still speaking to them and people have a choice even then to to choose to hey this is wrong or this is yeah i'm going to go with this the other thing i found too is that well god's word is all all encompassing all explainable you know god is perfect in in what he's given us when these false teachers start teaching, there were lots of people that started saying, well, this doesn't make sense. You said this, but now we're doing this. And, and, and so there's lots of areas of very questionable things. And then that comes up too. But if people choose to ignore that because they have the promise of, most of the time it's this promise of great wealth and this you know, utopia environment. And that's what it was. The more money you give, maybe you'll get called to this utopia place that they're building in Texas. And, and it was, you know, they're motivated by money and not by God. And we went over this, I think, last week. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve money and God. It's one or the other. Because you'll despise one and you'll hate the other. 
And so I think a lot of it's led by that. But it, God does work in those people's lives and they can choose to listen or not. And there were quite a few in the documentary that, that said, no, this is wrong. We've been in this for a long time or we grew up in this. But remember what they said? They were afraid if they, they, were afraid they weren't going to be saved. Like they, oh, they yeah. definitely pounded it in. If you yes. this, and it broke my heart because it was like they were so scared. They knew it was wrong, but they're like, if I if I go, am I not going to be saved? Am I not yeah. going to go to heaven? Am I not? So really, it pounded, the, and it was like. Oh. And what do you think has happened to? I mean, and I'm not even going to stay right here. Oh yeah. <clears throat> That's the whole. The whole point of getting in the Bible. I'm not going to be saved. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's oh, yeah. people don't think of you know people are searching. People are searching for answers. And who gets a hold of them first, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but I think so our buddy Ming, he explains one time, you know, becomes a Christian, is kinda of new at it, and new to the country. So it doesn't you know, new culture, new everything and find himself in some churches that were just really just weird and odd. And he said right away, he just knew, you know, God was speaking to him very loudly. This is not right. You get better get out of here. And so I, I do think that God speaks very loudly to us, but we can stifle him. And, and I think even when we're born into it, there's things we're born into that I don't believe now. Oh, God still was able to show me a way out. A good example is the mega churches, and we don't need to bring up anybody's names and blah, 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 but they're huge congregations of people. And it's not saying that they're cultism, basically, but think about how easily all of those people are led to that. Do you see what I'm saying? And there's, when you get to that size, then there's a, a pressure that I need to keep this up, I need to keep this going, and, and it becomes more of a business and maybe more financially motivated than spirit-led. I think that, right. yes, that can be true. I think there's big churches out there that are still very much spirit-led. Oh, I agree. Um, but there's, there's a lot that they're probably not. They're probably more business-minded and financially but motivated. Very, but look at each one of those, too, the dynamics of those speakers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying is they're but, good. They're yeah. really good. But God's not surprised by this. You're caught off guard. Yeah. In the end, he said the people will, will look for, have itching ears yeah. and want to hear what they want to hear. What hear what makes them feel good and not the truth. And that God's word's out there. And everyone, I mean, this is the best-selling book of all time. There is no book that sold more copies than the Bible. God's made his word very clear to everyone, but are we willing to pick it up and read it? And, and understand it for ourselves and how big of importance that is. So, oh yeah. Good things to be aware of. Yeah. And it just some concerning things, you know. So, we traveled last week and in the hotel, there's a Gideon's Bible. Um, but then there's also the, the Book of Mormon. And on the Book of Mormon, it says another uh, testament of Jesus Christ. And it's like that right there. And doesn't that throw up some red flags to some people? Another testament of Jesus. And I don't know, I really don't know anything about the, the Mormon church and what they believe. Um, but, but when I look at the cover and it says another testament of Jesus Christ, 
that's some huge red flags right away. And whatever's inside, I don't know, but because I do know God's word. And God says you're not to take away from this and you're not to add to this. He makes it very clear in Revelation. So when he sums up the whole book, this is done. It's finished. And so if you're adding another testament or if you're the Catholic Church and you've added six books to this Bible, you're going directly against God and his word. And that's probably some bad, probably some things that are going to lead people astray because of that. But it's the exact same thing that Paul's going through. Paul's talking about these, you know, in his time, there were great big synagogues, and, and it was the exact same type thing then. If you go against us, you're going to... And it was probably more impactful then because the synagogue was everything. This was your livelihood. This was everything to you. Um, and if you go against us, we're going to kick you out of the synagogue. And it was lots of smaller home churches that were around at the time and smaller Christian churches, so... But it was, and it's all fear. And anytime fear motivates, then you're probably not of God. I'm really interested. Oh, yeah. Well, let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this time to come together to learn more about your word, to be encouraged about the work that you're doing in each of our lives. I ask you to continue to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us this week um, in all that we have going on. Lord, I ask you would continue to, to bring healing to my mom's body, continue to bring um, guidance from the doctors, wisdom to the doctors. I ask you would watch over Pam and Scott, that you would bring them comfort and healing and, and guide the doctors um, in their treatment. You would bring healing to Kathy. You would give the doctors wisdom. You would give the doctors wisdom in Christina's heart. You would um, bring healing to her heart. You would continue to bring healing to Bonnie and, and guide the doctors in their treatment plan. You would watch over Matt's knees, bring healing there. And then you would watch over Joey's knees. You would bring healing to Joey's knees and that you would guide him in what decisions to make on treatment plans for that. So you would lead him to the right doctors um, for what he's going through. I ask you to watch over the coffee family, that you give them patience and peace and wisdom and forgiveness, and that you would watch over those in the PTSD, AMDR counseling, that you would give them the strength to see it through to the end, that you would give them uh, peace that can only come from you, Lord. I ask you would guide Ming, you would strengthen Ming, that you would give each one of us the words to speak this week. Um, that we would be encouraging to others, a light and a witness to the people that you've brought into our lives, Lord, that we would take every opportunity to be that light and witness by how we live our lives, that we would um, be those who share your good news with those around us. I ask you would watch over our school, that you would grant us patience, that you would grant us wisdom, and that 
your truth would be made known um, in your way, that you would lead us and guide us this week. I ask that you would watch over Greg, that you would bring healing to his body, um, that you would bring him to know you, that you would lead him and guide him, that you would speak loud and clear to him, that he would receive you. I just ask that you would watch over him, protect him, um, and guide him, Lord. I ask you would watch over the sheriff's department, the police department, protect them physically, protect them spiritually, protect their families. And lastly, I just ask you would lead us to a, a church that we come alongside, wherever that may be. It's in Jesus' mighty, mighty name I pray all these things. Amen. Amen.